and welcome to Ritopia Labs Worldwide Radio Plays Festival, a podcast of 40 plays written by young playwrights ages 8 to 18 from all across the country, directed, performed, and designed by professional artists, brought to you by the Mellon Foundation and the Rosenthal Family Foundation. This year's theme is Heroes and Monsters, Plays Against Fear. Now in our 11th season of the Worldwide Plays Festival, we challenged our playwrights to write toward the monsters, be they internal, external, systemic, real, or imaginary, and vanquish them. What you're about to hear are four hilarious, brilliant, provocative, evocative, and thoroughly theatrical plays written by young playwrights. If you like what you listen to, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and iTunes because we will be podcasting four plays each week for 10 weeks. And if you're a young person who wants to write a play, a story, a poem, a song, or anything at all, please check out writopialab.org. And if you're an older person who wants to help out our nonprofit, please go to writopialab.org slash donate. All right, time for the show. One Big Step by me, Viola Shaw. <clears throat> this way! Whoa, Avery, slow down. We can't slow down now. We're so close. How do you know? Didn't you hear him? Hear who? Big Step, duh! I didn't hear anything. Look, the camp doesn't even know we're here. Please, Avery, just a quick breather, okay? Oh, fine. Oh, my God. But if we miss this chance to find Big Step, I'm blaming it on you. Remind me again why it's so important to find Big Step again. Marcus, we've been trying to find Big Step since we were kids. This is the closest we've gotten to actually achieving just that. We don't even know if he's real. But what if he is? Come on, we need to move. Marcus, come on! You've had your break, let's go! I want to go back to the cabin and spill some massive tea with my friends. Massive tea? About what? Stuff. None of your business. You go ahead. I can't just do that. Why not? Camp rule. Have a buddy whenever you're in the woods. You know what's another camp rule? Not sneaking out past curfew to hunt the legendary monster that no one has seen. That's not a rule. The monster part, maybe. But the curfew part is totally a rule. Here you are lecturing me about breaking the camp rules when you've broken the curfew rule for the past ten years to try and find this maybe mythical monster of yours. I've never been caught. Well, you still broke a rule, Aves. Don't give me a hard time for trying to break one as well. Marcus, it's not just the rule. It's the fact that I just can't leave you in the forest. Why not? Jesus Christ, Marcus, I told you we can't just abandon each other in the forest. But we can Look, I'll be fine. I'll make my way back to the camp, and you can just keep going and find that monster. His name is Big Step! Whatever. This isn't like when Mom and Dad always wanted us to stick together. We're 17 now. If I want to do something, that doesn't mean you have to stay with me while I do it. And the same goes for me if it's something you want to do. It isn't just that, Marcus. I want you to come with me. We've always done this together. Why not keep that up? I don't know. It's just... All this sticking together to hunt a monster doesn't exist business seems so... so... What? Childish. Avery, there's no need to be upset. It's just the truth. Well, they say that the truth hurts, and it does, Marcus. You think I'm childish? 
that all this monster business is silly, nerdy, weird? Aves. No, don't aves me. Do you think all those things of me, Marcus? Do you? It's like at the flagpole this morning, isn't I it? I already apologized, didn't I? You were hanging out with your new friends, totally ignoring me. Uh, not this again. And I heard you. I heard you, Marcus, say that I was weird. That what I was talking about was total bullshit. When you know that those disappearances over five years ago did happen, that those giant footprints in the sand were real. Uh, I was just trying to be funny. Well, it didn't work, Marcus. It made me feel like nothing. Like I didn't matter. Like I was a burden that you wanted to cast off your shoulders. I can't believe you're still upset about this. I have every right to be upset. You would be too if you were in my shoes. Well, what about you? What about me? Still hung up about an incident that I already apologized for. In my defense, you barely apologized. You looked at the floor when you said the apology and right after sorry, you ran off with your friends and pretended like I didn't exist. I did? Yeah. I know you males have limited memory cells, but we females don't, so trust my word on it. You did all of that. You still shouldn't be hung up on something like that, though. Why shouldn't I be? You really want to know. Just spit it out, Marcus. Okay, I will. I don't think you should stay upset about these things because you become bitter, angry, and scared. And what exactly am I scared of? You're scared of letting go. What the hell does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. You're scared of letting go of the past and all the sentimentalities that go with it. You're scared that just because I make new friends and say new things, which I will admit some of those things I do regret and apologize for saying. Thank you. But hey, guess what? Maybe I don't believe in Big Step. Actually, screw that. I, I don't believe in Big Step. Maybe I'm just saying those things because I don't want to admit that my sister is some crazy lunatic who still believes in fairy tales. His name is Big Step and he is real. Whatever. The point is, you're not letting me grow up and hang out with my friends because you're too scared to grow up yourself. You always treat me like nothing, just so your friends don't make fun of you. You're willing to forget me and everything that we've done together in the past because you're ashamed and you're willing to just pretend like it never happened. When will you just let it go? I won't let it go. At least not when I can tell you to your face that you, dear brother, are a vain piece of shit who doesn't care a cent about his family and only cares about being some popular dickhead at camp. You say that I'm scared of letting go? Well, you're scared, Marcus, of losing this popularity you've gained and you're willing to throw away the wonderful, inquisitive part of yourself that I love and you're a coward, Marcus. You're a goddamn coward. Marcus? Marcus? I'm so sorry. I, I, I don't know what happened back there. Nothing will change between us, you know. I know you act this way because you're scared that our relationship will go away, and I want you to know that despite all that, you're still going to be my sister, and I'm still going to be your brother, and I'm still going to love you as your brother. That's never going to change. You're going to make me cry, dumbass. As long as it keeps me sitting on this log. I'm going to love you no matter what as well. It saddens me that we'll eventually stop doing this, and... I'm scared for what will happen when all this fun will eventually come to an end. But you're right. Change is inevitable. I'm going to have to get used to that. At some point. You'll get there.
I'm so sorry, Marcus. For real. For what I said. I'm sorry for what I said, too. And for being a dickhead. You were a dickhead. <laughs> Thanks. Don't forget about me, okay, Marcus? Don't act like I'm not there. It's not guaranteed that your friends will always be there for you, but it is guaranteed that I will always be there for you. I could never forget about you. I'll hold you to it. <clears throat> Was that? Big step? He's real then. Told you so. You don't have to come with me. If you want to run back to the cabin and hang out with your friends, that's fine. There's no way I'm leaving someone, especially my sister, alone in the woods with a giant scary monster that we now know is real. <laughs> Thanks, Marcus. For everything. <laughs> you too. So, shall we? Hell yeah. <laughs> One Big Step was written by Viola Shaw. It was directed and sound produced by Dan Katroser and featured the voices of Oria Tomeski and Gary Cook. The Cherry by me, Jordan Ferdman. Ellie, Molly, and Gabby are sprawled out on the floor, examining Gabby's phone with great interest. Like, Anna's not ugly, but she's not not ugly. No, then these photos are too good because she's definitely ugly. Her boyfriend's kind of cute, though. Nick? He's not her boyfriend. They're just hooking up. She's such a slut. Hey. Sorry. She's so provocative. Gabby makes air quotes around the word provocative. What does provocative mean? It's a nice way of saying she's a whore. Molly opens her mouth to say something, but decides against it. She tightens her ponytail. Oh, Natasha should have called by now. You know why she hasn't. They're doing it. Just say fucking. They're fucking. Should I call? Give it a minute. It's 9.30. She said she'd be here at 9. There's no way that Jason's lasted this long. No, seriously. It's fine. She's probably busy. <laughs> sure. I texted her. I'll call in like 10. She's fine. Chill. I am chill. Do you think she really went through with it? I'd say yes. Didn't she go into it thinking she would? Like, he asked, but she said she'd think about it. I talked to her before she left. She so said she didn't think she was ready. Like, losing her virginity, like, matters to her. She wants it to be special. She gave me this whole rant at lunch about how much she hates the phrase popping your cherry because it sounds too crude and casual for such a life-changing event. She's so wood. You know she wants, like, fireworks in the background or some shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get that it's important, but hasn't she already blown him, like, six times? I think it's seven. But he's never, um, reciprocated. I don't know. I feel like sex is kind of overhyped. I think it's kind of a big deal. Like, she could get pregnant. She won't. But she could. And it feels more mutual, I think, than her blowing him. Yeah. What time did you talk to her? Like six. I talked to her during a push, and she said she was definitely going to. 
She's been on birth control since, what, eighth grade? Yeah, but that was because of cramps. I don't like him. Why? He just gives me a weird vibe. Why don't you try again now? Hey, you've reached Natasha. I can't get to the phone right now, but leave me a message and I'll hit you up ASAP. Bye. Hey, babe. Uh, we're just wondering where you are. Text or snap me when you get a sec. Love you. Love you. Love you. She's been in a bad mood this week. Yeah, we're synced up. Not bitchy, just like a bit off. Maybe this was good for her to spend some time with him. Yeah, maybe. Nothing like spending time with fucking Jason to put you in a good mood. What's your shit with him? I don't have shit with him. Like, you clearly do, or else you wouldn't have said anything. I was joking. God. You don't, um... You don't think he's, like, hurting her or anything, right? If you mean rape, just say it. Don't toss that word around. I'm not. I'm asking, what if he is? As she says this, Gabby and Ellie whip their heads around. Molly adjusts her ponytail again. He's not. How do you know? Because, because he wouldn't. He's a nice guy. Yeah, but he's dumb. What if he misunderstood a signal and Natasha just went with it? We don't all have 4.0s, Molly. That doesn't mean he's going to rape someone. Gabby's not sure if she crossed a line. Molly isn't either. Uh, last year, Aiden wanted a hand job, but, like, I didn't want to hurt his feelings, even though I wasn't really into it. And he, like, really wanted it. He'd just gotten a bad grade on a test, I think. So I went with it. But I didn't really want to. But that's not rape. Rape is, like, just with sex. I didn't say that it was rape. That. Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't know about that. I mean, I wouldn't, like, want him arrested or anything, but it's shitty. It feels shitty. It felt shitty. Yeah. What if they're, like, 50 shadesing it? Gabby. <laughs> Dude, I'm joking. She's fine. Chill. How's your common app going? Fine. It's not. We visited Duke again last weekend. It's so pretty. It's so white. Yeah. I'm going to call her again. Hello? Hey, what's up? Where the fuck are you? What? I, I met I met Jason. Do you want me to leave now? Are you okay? Uh, yeah. Why, why wouldn't I be? Um, yeah, if you could come, that'd be cool. My mom blew up an extra air mattress, so. Oh, um, yeah, of course. Uh, we'll leave now. Jason, can we go now? Was she on speaker the whole time? She sounded like she was being held hostage or something. Gabby. What? She did. Do you think they did it? She didn't sound like post-orgasm or anything. How would you know what that sounds like? Awkward pause. Gabby intends for it to be funny, but it sounds accusatory. Or maybe even condescending. I saw this statistic that said most women rarely... um, climax so (laughs) whatever did we expect her to come this is fucking jason he doesn't give a shit about anyone but himself they've been together for like 
three months, right? Four. Do you think that she's, like, doing it just to say she did it? Would it be a bad thing if she were? No. No, like, I didn't say that. I was just wondering. Does it matter? No, Jesus. I was just fucking wondering. Are people going to call her a slut? Yes. She's not even Jason's first. Also, people don't really care what she does. People care what he does. I'll get it. Ellie exits to retrieve Natasha. Molly and Gabby scroll on their respective phones. Do you think she's okay? Gabby nods weakly. Ellie enters with Natasha at her side. The latter is wearing a sports bra and sweatpants. Her mascara is slightly smudged. From sweating? From crying? Hey. Hey. So, what happened? Well, um, we did it. <laughs> Get it, bitch! Did you come? Molly, you can't was ask it? her was that. Was it quick? Did you bleed? Oh my god, Were was his like brother home? Roses. Ooh, and candles. <laughs> oh my god, are you... Okay. What's wrong? Natasha? Did he hurt you? Natasha? Natasha, babe, talk to us. Do you... Do you want me to call your mom? Oh, okay, no problem. Okay, it's okay. We won't call your mom. Nat? He... I... He didn't, you know... It, it's it's fine. I'm fine. I'm I'm just overwhelmed. Um, okay. You sure? I was drinking a bit. A bit? What? Natasha. What? Look. Look, it happened, and it wasn't my favorite experience, but it happened, and it's fine. I'm fine. I just don't want him to be upset with me. We don't doubt that you're fine, but, like, are you okay? Why would he be mad at you? Jesus, can you guys fucking chill for a second? I'm fine. He just misunderstood. It's fine. I'm fine. I just want to watch a movie. Nat, how can we help? Oh, it's Jason. Thank fuck he's not pissed at me. Wait, guys, get in the picture. The Cherry was written by Jordan Ferdman. It was directed by Molly Gallagher and sound produced by Kiara Johnson. It featured the voices of Annabelle Cousins, Hayani Contesano, Anne-Marie Sykes, and Gabi Fernandez. Jordan's Ritopia Lab instructor was Yael Schick. Naivete by me, Tamia McCode. Um, hello? I was told we were going on a lakeside vacation. This is not what I had in mind. Oh, we're lakeside for sure. You know, I thought there was going to be more light pollution this late at night, but no. We can see the stars. We're in the middle of nowhere. Perfect. We're in the middle of nowhere. Perfect. It's going to be great. Tell her, Carter. Come on, Wall. You have to admit it's pretty beautiful. And if I don't agree with you... There's no reason not to. Just take a look out there. It's beautiful. This is such a special moment, Wall. Take it all in. Come on, Wallace. This is great. This is so not great. I'm sure you'll start to love it. You... You really think so? I'm certain. 
Not Adeline. No. Baby, are you okay? You have to be fucking kidding me. This backpack was so expensive. And, and considering I just broke my Cartier bracelet, there's no way my parents, I mean, my mom is buying me another one. I cannot believe my mom convinced me to hang out with you two losers. I'm missing homecoming. And for what? I, I'm out of here. Uber Black XL, here I fucking come. No service? Ugh. I'm sorry, Wallace. It's going to get better, I promise. I brought snacks and games, and we can just catch up like old times. There's mud on my Golden Goose sneakers. Adeline is broken. And there's no service in the middle of these woods. You don't even know what it's like to lose something, do you? Why the fuck would I want to catch up with you? Hey, hey. That's enough, Wallace. No, it's okay. I get it. I shouldn't have forced it. Someone's gotten something right for once. Wallace. I am going to go get some firewood. I don't understand why she still thinks we're friends. Come on, Wall. No, like, like seriously. I really could be having the time of my life right now, but I'm stuck here with her. We were friends, like... Years ago. Sabrina doesn't deserve this. And we were all so close. Why would you even begin to throw that away? She's just trying to make it like old times. Come on, Carter. Her naivete is sickening. She's so compassionate and sympathetic and nice. But like, in a bad way. Like, it's too much. It's so fucking annoying. How haven't you gotten bored of her yet? She's not boring. She's just... passionate about academics and stuff. I think it's cool. She's just... behind on the trends sometimes. She's truly a nice person. Why did you stop being friends with her? Because... she's like that. Like... Okay, she just doesn't care what other people think about her, and all she does is act all smart and nerdy, and, and you know, she kind of made me feel bad about myself. She's just so smart, and, and she doesn't even have to try. But, like, that's... That was not why I'm not friends with her. It, it, it was mostly the fact that she never grew up, and, and when it was time to go into high school, I just didn't want to associate with her. That sounded like a compliment. As if I would ever... Just try to be nice to her. <sighs> what? Fine, I'll try. For you. Thank you. I guess being mean to her was pretty stupid. But I still don't like how childish she is. I don't know what the heck I just saw out there, but it wasn't human. Are you okay? I mean, like, physically, yeah, but that thing, it was totally insane. I've never seen eyes that green or, or prints that big. I should have never followed it. What the hell are you talking about, Sabrina? When I ran off into the woods, I saw these prints. I kept following them off past the camping grounds and off the trail because I wanted to update my journal. But this thing, it wasn't human. It was some kind of monster. I didn't get a very good look at it. I just started running. That sounds dangerous. Can I read the notes you took before you ran off? I... 
I dropped my journal. Oh, I'm sorry, dude. I know it meant everything to you. It's okay, I guess. <sighs> There's nothing out there. God, it's so hard to be nice to someone so innocent and stupid. Like I said, Carter, naivete. I know you don't like me anymore, Wallace, but you have to believe me, for all of our sakes. And if I don't? I'll go prove to you that there's no monster, so you can rest easy tonight. She'll be back in no time. Do you believe me? Of course I do. Hug? Never mind. I've never seen something so angry. I didn't even bother it. It was at least ten feet tall. I wouldn't have even noticed it if I hadn't seen the prince and known to keep my guard up. I think I would have died. And Wallace? She didn't believe me for a second. I had a little bit of hope, though. But she didn't listen. I don't think I'll feel bad if she gets hurt. Sab, don't say that. Honestly, do you blame me? She's so stubborn. I know she seems like an asshole, but it's not her. She's dealing with things. <laughs> what could upset her little perfect life? Daddy took away her Amex? Come on, Sab, don't be like that. No, seriously. I've been so nice to her for so long. I just wanted our old friendship back. That's why I invited her. But obviously she doesn't care about me anymore. I'm so sick of being the good guy. Sab, don't stoop to her level. Me don't stoop to her level? Yeah, don't stoop Honestly, to her level. I can't believe That's you what at I'm all. saying. It's like, to what you. are you even saying? You know, no, I'm you've been serious. Doing this How for could years. you talk to you me never like listen that? To I don't want to. I, she's you so immature. Like, I, I feel like I'm always. Wallace? Wall, are you okay? That sounded dangerous. We should go look for her. She doesn't deserve my kindness anymore, Carter. I'm not risking my life for her. Sabrina, you're not about to let me go out there alone. You don't have to go either. She wouldn't do this for you, and you know that. Just stay here with me, please. Let's just be safe together. This isn't the Sabrina I know. The Sabrina I know would be ready for an adventure and ready to help anyone in need. Please, come with She doesn't even care about me. I'm not going. Wallace? Wallace? Can you hear me? She's in danger. You said you wanted your friendship back, and you won't ever have a shot at that if you don't come with me. Fuck. That didn't sound good at all. Come on, please. Help her. And then you could go back to being petty when she's safe with us. I'm sick of being everyone's good guy. No. Carter? Carter, come back! Fuck. Some people aren't meant to be saved. Naivete was written by Tamia McCode. It was directed by Catherine Pope and sound produced by Dan Katroser. It featured the voices of Austin Pograb, Kalei Tischler, and Anthony Caruso. Tamia's Ritopia Lab instructor was Elena Roy, and the play was produced as part of Ritopia Lab's partnership with the New School for the Performing Arts. The 
The Smallest Heroes by me, Sierra Blanco. I love this game. Yeah, because you're good at it. Hey! <laughs> you, hey, that was my glasses, not my arm you almost hit. Next time, wait till you can see. Just spin me already. Purple. I like how you're freaky that way. I was right. I just guessed. <laughs> oh, hey! That lilac pencil case I won you at the carnival. As I said, freaky. Anyway, now that we have tested your pointless superpower, let's do something normal. What? Like, get your computer and pretend we can't sign on to Netflix so we have a good reason to... Shut up, Elle! My mom's home. Yeah, and your mom is the coolest mom I've ever met. Yeah, but she's my mom. It's uber awkward. I was talking about actually watching a movie or something. Plus, my room, my rules, okay? Oh my god. You haven't told her about us. She knows. Kinda. Kinda? Like you kinda like boys and girls and aliens? Shut up! Okay, I'm going to pressure you about this for the rest of the year, but you know that. Wait, so you aren't gonna be a super bitch and make me tell her with you here? Of course not. It took me a month to figure out how to explain it to my parents. Yeah, because you thought I was a prude and straight as an arrow. And that's because you absolutely were. Then... Hey, I take back wanting to do something normal. Let's just test your magic power or whatever. Fine. Red sequins. Wow. Yep. It's like ESP or something. That's legit a superpower. Or I have a photographic memory that cataloged where every single object was in your room. But you don't have a photographic memory as evidenced by your horrible calc rates. And plus, I spin you around a bunch. Yeah, true. Wait, how do you know my calc grade? Because you showed it to me. Three days ago, duh. Weird, I really don't remember that. Really? You don't remember being uber upset because you got the test smudge at Starbucks? That's when we made the super coffees? Durr! The double shot fraps! Right! And we were so sugar hyper. Yeah! Hyping for the end of the year kickball game and... Hyping isn't a word. Is too! The action of becoming more hyped about something. Hyping. Yeah, huh. Right! We were hyping, and that's when you discovered my weird party trick thing when... Your superpower? Not a superpower. Is too, says Second Sight is a legit heroing ability here on Wiki Supers. Okay, hyping is questionable, but heroing is for sure not a real word. If hyping is a word because it's the action of becoming more hyped, then heroing is a word because it's the action of becoming more like a superhero. Whatever you say, beautiful. <sighs> How do you make me want to punch you and kiss you at the same time? A talent found by practice. You're infuriating! <laughs> Girls, you okay up there? Not doing anything. We're fine, Ma! Alright, honey. But remember, just shout for me if you need anything. Noted, Mrs. Lee! Hey! We were saying... No way, my mom's home. That would be a real exciting way to find out who your daughter's S.O. is. Ellen... Well, I'm not saying it's a fun way for that to happen, but it is a spectacularly... Ellen... Can we pretend we're actually doing science for a second? Wait, guessing the color of an object I can't see is science? Yeah, it's a scientific analysis of the accuracy of your power. Okay, let's see here. 
The color of this object is paranoid about her parents being like literally no human beings in the 21st century. I am not paranoid. Allie, the parents aren't even disapproving in the TV series anymore. Nobody cares what gender you fuck as long as you end up happy. I know that, Elle. We got the super dry version of the lecture in health class. And do you still refuse to come out about the possibility of having a girlfriend? So, you prefer the term irrationally nervous? Ellen, what's your deal? What do you mean? Usually you aren't this persistent with anything. Sure I am. I was persistent with you, wasn't I? Really? What is it? Prom. Huh? Yearly tradition states that you do a super crazy setup to ask someone to prom. It's like weirdly super competitive and stuff. Oh my god. <laughs> Why didn't you just say that first? Because it was going to be a surprise. But it wouldn't be official if I didn't show pics of it. Really? Yeah. So I wanted to immortalize it in the yearbook, but I knew you'd be mad if your parents didn't know and they found out about us by looking for your grad pics. So I was waiting for you. Hell, oh my god, you're amazing. I figured we could tell your parents about us at least a few weeks before prom and I'd ask you out a few days after. Please don't tell my parents. Allie, practically every fifth kid in our school is gay. It's fine. Please don't tell. Alice, if you're that freaked over this, I'm really not sure what to do. You're third generation American. Your mom is a pro-choice, minorities rights, democratic, feminist supermom. You have a supporting girlfriend and, failing at that, a supporting best friend. I don't understand why you think this is so life-changing. Because it's my whole life. I like boys. I like girls. I'm the piece that fits in neither box. If I tell my parents I like you, then I'm telling them I'm the outsider of literally every category. It's like I don't have the guts to decide what I want. But in real life, I can't just tell myself to not find somebody cute. <laughs> I love you. But I don't want to be like that one kid that falls in love every two seconds. I'm not a, um, I, I'm not that. I'm not a suck up like that. I just, I like being in the box. I like being normal. You're incredible. I don't know how you just don't notice people thinking you're different. You're like a superhero. Even before you were really like a superhero. You just are flawless without trying and everybody just goes with whatever you do. You save the world every damn day. I'm just a confused little girl who got swept up in your awesomeness. Alice, you fit so many of their stupid boxes because you're perfect. I love you, Elle. I love you. I love you so so much. I love you too. Alice, will you go to prom with me? Of course. You know I'm not an actual superhero or anything. You are. Just a really small hero. You're one too then. A hero, I mean. No, I'm not. Even small heroes have heroes of their own. You don't have to tell. I will. 
just maybe not right the second, okay? The Smallest Heroes was written by Sierra Blanco. It was directed by Dan Catroser and sound produced by Dara Swisher. It featured the voices of Steph Miller, Huishan Ong, and Oria Temeski. Sierra's Ritopia Lab instructors were Madeline Taylor and Danielle Sheeler. Opening and interstitial music for this podcast was composed and performed by Malcolm Knowles. The music you are hearing right now was composed and performed by Ilan Isakoff. The head of our external competition is Madeline Taylor. The co-curator of our festival is Matthew Jellison. Our casting director is Oria Temeski. Our sound designer is Robert A.K. Gagno. Our line producer is Dara Swisher. And our artistic director is me, Dan Katroser. Thank you to Rebecca Wallace-Sagal, Executive Director, and Jeremy Wallace-Sagal, Chief Operations Officer of Ritopia Lab, as the work of Ritopia Lab is more vital than ever. And special thanks to Barry Waldorf, Tracy Rogers, and the Mellon Foundation, and Jamie Wolf and the Rosenthal Family Foundation. And Ritopia Labs board members, Kim Hartman and David Sherman, for their ongoing generosity to the Ritopia Lab Worldwide Plays Festival. Please check out our website at www.ritopialab.org and ritopialab.org slash donate to donate now. All right, everybody, as I say, the great work begins. <laughs>